0: Hey, Inspired Woman, thanks for joining us again today. I'm so excited to share today's episode with you. In this episode, we talk to my good friend, Keita Keita is someone who I've always seen as being super smart, confident, and she always knows what she wants. But as you may know, not everyone who we think has it all together actually has. And so Keita shares about the times in her life when she's had to think about the choices she's made. And she's had to admit that they weren't the best choices for her as an individual. And she's continuously had to pivot and change depending on what's going on around her and most importantly, what's going on within her. I think if anyone has gone through career changes, um, changing your major in college, or even having accomplished a lot, but still questioning yourself and questioning whether or not you really are that great person, This is going to be the episode for you to listen to. Kita talks about all of those things. She talks about her love to travel. And we also talk about what she's been up to in the kitchen lately. One of the most enjoyable parts of this podcast for me was listening to Keita talk about her family's history and how much it's impacted her as an individual. I think if we all look at our histories, we can see that even things that happened a long time ago still impacts us today in both a positive and a negative way. Keita shares a lot about her Panamanian heritage and what it means for her to be a Panamanian woman. So take a listen, and hopefully you'll be inspired by Keita's story. Welcome to the Misadventures of an Inspired Woman podcast. Our guest today is Keita barrington paul a Brooklyn, New York native with Panamanian roots. She is a global finance attorney that currently serves as the Associate General Counsel and Corporate Secretary at Standard & Poor's Global Ratings. Keita spends her free time volunteering with community-based cultural and educational institutions and traveling the world. She has been to over 60 countries. Kita also is an entrepreneur and has several businesses in real estate and e-commerce. Keita holds a Juris Doctor, Magna Cum Laude, from the University of Miami School of Law, a Master's in Public Health, Summa Cum Laude, from Florida International University, and a Bachelor of Science degree from McGill University. Welcome, Keta. Hello. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, All these loudies. (laughs) All these loudies. And so I know people might be a little bit confused and they see the spelling of your name and then they hear the way that I say it. I think when most people see the spelling of your name, they try to say Kira, but I know that you are Panamanian and I can't roll my R's. So I just put a heavy (laughs) T on it
1: and it's Kira. (laughs) <laughs> I mean people call me uh Kyra Kira Kida Kira I've heard it all yeah so. but so, you did it perfectly
0: listen you've trained me well, me well. <laughs> I should know by now um I met Kita in high school working in the guidance counselor's office.
1: Mr. Trout.
0: Well, I had a different guidance counselor. And I think I told you the other day why I ended up there was because I was in trouble all the time.
1: Yeah, you did. (laughs) That's why I was there. You were what? I was a nerd. That's why I was there. Really what happened is my final final year in, in high school, I had a very truncated schedule. And it was kind of like two options. They were trying to force me to take all of this additional um, coursework and I was not with it like the only thing that was required for me to graduate because
0: Keita is super smart and she took, <laughs> she finished high school when she was at Julia High School. <laughs> She took all for the, the classes.
1: Gifted and talented.
0: Say it again. Shout them out, because I know it's a lot of proud alumists. <laughs> Thank
1: alumni. you, Phillipa Schuyler, School for the gifted and, gifted and Talented. I was about a year in advance when I entered high school. So that meant in my final year, we went to Brooklyn Tech. So Brooklyn Tech has majors. And in my final year, really all I had to do was uh, a couple of AP courses and my major courses, which at the time was architecture. And so by the time I got to my last year, first semester, I had um, two architecture courses and one substantive course. Mm -hmm. I had two in the beginning, but then, you know, calculus was not my friend. So I dropped that. Mm -hmm. And then, (laughs) and then, um, and then I was basically um, most of the day, with no coursework right Mm -hmm. so i could have hung out in the lunchroom which was really not part of my personality um i did take a college class um but still more than half the day was gone so i started volunteering in the guidance counselor's office because
0: but i must have met you before that then i was your senior yeah yeah
1: yeah absolutely
0: we probably met freshmen or so i think so i think so yeah, I always I got in trouble a lot. I think freshman year, and for dumb stuff like I refused to dissect a frog.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's not really dumb.
0: But I was like, I don't want to do it. You can't, you can't make me do it. I'm not doing it. It's disgusting, and so <laughs> I would get sent, or I'll get called out of the class, yeah. out of my class to go to this. So me and my guidance counselor formed a very special relationship. Yeah, he realized that, like, you know. I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't doing bad things. But this person felt the need to punish me all the yeah. time. You they
1: know, didn't they didn't understand. They get yeah. it.
0: They get it. I wasn't about that dissecting
1: life. <laughs> I <can't> skipped <laughs> skip that. I didn't have to take biology in high school.
0: Of course not. <laughs> you started high school as a college senior. Okay. <laughs> so who is Keita? Tell us.
1: So, Keita is a first generation Panamanian American. She is a daughter. She is a cousin. She is a wife. She is a friend. She is somebody who cares deeply about her community, someone who loves to dance, um, who enjoys carnival greatly, <laughs> someone who enjoys the arts. Um, that's basically me in a nutshell. It's like,
0: that's basically me. You are easily. <laughs> One of the smartest people that I know. Um, You you know, we sort of ran down how she could have taught all the high school classes um, (laughs) and just graduated with honors and all these things. Um, Being Panamanian, I think, is a big part of your identity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Both my parents are Panamanian and they came to this country. My mom, at the age of 19, and then she went away to school um, in Canada, which is where I went to undergrad as well. Um, And then my dad, closer to age 30, he followed my mom here because he missed it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so I grew up in a very Panamanian household, but there also was a large Panamanian community in New York City. And my parents were um, community activists. So we spent a lot of time doing cultural activities in the Panamanian community. So it was very much part of my childhood and very much part of my identity. As a matter of fact, my parents uh, were part of the founders of the Panamanian um, parade that mm-hmm. occurred. Um, and so, um, I spent a lot of time going to activities around that and other things that they were doing.
0: That's what I was going to ask you, like, what does a Panamanian household look like?
1: So mine, (laughs) um, were a lot of social events, uh, we had at home. Um, it's a mixture of Spanish and English. Um, it is... It is a mixture. So I am what they call Afro-Antillian Panamanian. So there's three different groups of uh, Black people who came to Panama. Okay. They are... Um what people believe are the people who came before Columbus, right? Mm-hmm. So early African explorers. There are the coloniales, which are the colonial Blacks, or the people who came over as enslaved persons. And then there are the people who are Afro-Caribbean. So people who came over for various agricultural and projects in the Panama Canal project. So my family came over from a variety of islands in the Caribbean over mm-hmm. to so it's so for me it's a mixture of of latin indigenous and caribbean culture okay
0: okay okay thank you and i know you've been spending a lot of time lately sort of digging into your background um and digging deeper
1: yeah i have so i'm actually writing a book for an extended period of time it's called sixth generation lucian and that's because my great-grandmother mother was born in St. Lucia and it's meant to, um, to travel through the history of my family over the last six generations of firstborn women. Mm. All the women in the last six generations, I mean, all the the firstborns in the last six generations were women, including myself. I'm a firstborn. And so it travels, the story travels with, uh, starts with my great, great, great grandmother, who's a Carib woman, and then journeys through um, St. Lucia to Panama to the US. And so in the process of doing this, I was trying to get more information on the background of my family so that I can uh, appropriately contextualize the story. Um, And I discovered that I also have roots in St. Kitts, which was not part of my family's oral history. Um, I probably have roots in Antigua, although I haven't been able to find evidence other than oral history on that. Uh, St. Lucia. And then Panama on my mother's maternal line. And then on my mother's paternal line, um, that's Jamaican. Um, and then on my father's side is all Barbadian.
0: Okay. Okay. That's I think that's great. I think, unfortunately, as people of African descent, a lot of our heritage um, and sort of genealogy gets lost. Um, so I think that's really... Amazing that you've been able to do that and seeing all of the shifts um, that your family members have made up until you.
1: Yeah. Right? I mean, in many ways, it, it kind of made who I was, right? So, my great, great, great grandfather was a schoolmaster,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And his son was a schoolmaster, and that son's daughter was an educator right? And my mom, so it skipped a generation, also was an educator. Mm -hmm. So like you can see if you, if you travel through the family history, the education has been very important in my family and it translates into why there was such a heavy emphasis on education in my life as well, generationally. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to hear different parts of your family history, even if you've never met the people, to see how it might have affected you many generations later. Yeah, yeah.
0: So let's talk about this educational journey of yours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All the in terms. Oh, you know, you said to me, you were like, you said a couple of things to me recently. And I was like, wait a minute. You were like, well, I, yeah, I was going to be a doctor. Yeah. Right. And then you said to me that you took a test to see if you could go into the military. Yeah. And you've always been this self assured confident person uh, oh. you always know what you want, you go after it, but you described a time of not necessarily feeling that
1: can you Can you share that story so I was in high school, and I think I was in my senior year I was definitely in my senior year, and i don't know if I did poorly on an exam or i didn't place the way that I wanted to in um in a contest or or competition or something, but I was feeling, I just wasn't feeling smart or bright. And I was feeling um, as though a a little bit like a failure. And so I was walking by, I I grew up in South Mid, which was the neighborhood adjacent to East Flatbush. And so to walk home, I walked down Flatbush Avenue and there there was, I don't know if it's still there, an army recruitment center and um so there was a recruiter sort of standing outside waving people in and I guess I looked like a truant because I was coming home early from school <laughs> <laughs> So I went into um so he's like oh why don't you come in um just take this exam uh, let's just see how you do you never know and so I went in and I took the exam and I got But what
0: was your thought process when this guy was like hey, come take this test. Like, what was that thought process?
1: It was like, oh, he's crazy, but what else do I have to do? <laughs> so I went in there and I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm joining the military, but, you know, I can go take a test. There's nothing to lose. Uh, plus, this might make me feel good, right? So-,
0: so it definitely was. I'm not feeling the smartest right now, but if I take this test, it might help me get that back exactly okay okay
1: exactly so I went in I got a perfect score the exam the recruiter was very excited because that almost never happens and then um so when you found out that you got the perfect score like did it give you the boost not
0: really so you didn't get what you were looking for
1: no because I knew I was gonna do well <laughs> I mean, by the time I got to like the third or fourth question, it was like, come on, right? So I knew it was going to do well. So it didn't really give me a boost. But what did give me a boost is is the recruiter saying like, this is amazing. Like you are performing in the top percentile. And it's actually something in retrospect that I kind of carry with me. Because very often, um, particularly when you're a high performer, you are around other high performers all the time. Uh, it's very easy to lose sight of the fact that you're in a pool of people who are performing very high, and you get v- very hard on yourself, right? So I remember when I was in um, uh, practicing law, I was in uh, a discussion with another attorney, a Black attorney. He was Harvard undergrad, Harvard law, right? Graduating the top 5% of his class, and he was feeling like a failure. Mm. And so I remember thinking to myself and then also telling him, I'm like, are you kidding me? Don't let the fact that this environment is making you feel as though you're not performing with the way that you feel like you should be performing, take away from everything that you've accomplished.
0: Um, uh, you just like summed up my high school experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's important
0: yeah it was definitely I think I came out of a junior high school it wasn't a gifted and talented so I was like you know mm-hmm. one of the smarter kids it's it would it would seem like let's like, really see bad. that's I the bad. thing bad. right that's the thing you go into a school like the high school that we went into and everybody is smart it's, it's, it's exactly what you just said and you're like what am I doing here
1: yep and then you start to doubt yourself, right? And, and you forget that you're in this pool of people who's, who are high performing, number one, for a reason, like you're there for a reason, like that's part of who you are. But then number two, that you're already performing at a high level and you have to get, grant yourself that grace. You have to remember that like you're already more than enough, like many people would be feel very privileged to be positioned the way that you are. And so part of I think um having that interaction was helpful in that way. It was a reminder of the fact that, yeah, I may not have done well on that particular exam or in that particular competition. But that does not make my skill sets or my talent any less. Mm. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I think I love the idea of giving yourself grace. Because um, a lot of times we're very hard on ourselves. Um, yep. We don't give ourselves the credit that we deserve for yep. our hard work or for our brilliance, as you put it. Yep. You know, so that's, it It, com- it completely makes sense. It completely yep. makes sense. So then somehow you get it together. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't, I just can't picture it. It's like the girl well, is I done took- with high school. At that point, you probably had already gotten your, accept- your acceptance oh, letters.
1: Well, it, what was really bad about it, so after I took that, that exam in the recruiting office, I went and took the big exam with like thousands of people and I placed in the top 2%. Right. And so after that, they're like, oh, you could go to officer school. We can pay for your education. You don't understand. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm going to Montreal, Canada. Can you pay for me to go to Canada? No. I'm like, that doesn't work.
0: <laughs> because at this point you'd gotten into McGill.
1: Yes, I'd gotten into McGill.
0: And you, and you were on your way. Then McGill is where your mom went to school and she has such a great time there. I understand
1: exactly. that you wanted that experience as well. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and so there, I mean, there really wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, there was no other option.
0: You I had too much time on your hands. That's that's, <laughs> what hap- that's what had happened was you had too much time on your hands taking the people's military course. exam.
1: Yeah. And so, um. and so it worked out. So I went away to school. So at that time, and it was, it's a little bit ridiculous. I wanted to be a clinical neuropsychiatrist
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a dancer. The yeah, the two got together, or how I was going to do both. Mm-hmm. But that's what I wanted to be
0: okay. I mean, when, when you're 17, 18, even older, <laughs> <laughs> you have these fantastical ideas of what your life should look like or could look like. And But I think that's beautiful, and I think we lose that as we get older. I talk about that all the time, like giving yourself permission to dream again, where you have these fantastical ideas, but then we get sucked into the realities of life, and we give all of that up. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? Um, So you go to McGill, and you major
1: in... I major in... First, I majored in... um... Oh, geez. What did I major in first? I did not so you, major in clinical neuropsychology first.
0: So you were going to, so you left high school going to be a clinical neuropsychiatrist and a dancer.
1: I, so I, got, was, I was more science oriented when I entered uh, college. College. Okay. But I cannot remember what my initial major was. Okay. It was, and it was something. It was something. I feel like it was not biology because I'm not a fan of biology. Um, It might have been physics. I can't remember. So then you switched it. Yeah, I do know that my first year, like those science classes were torture. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I might, you know, I have to do this for another four years plus medical school. Like that's not going to (laughs) work. So then I was like, okay, well, I can do neuropsychology, which is the study of how hormones affect behavior. It still has the aspects of science that I like. It still has um, the intellectual mental component that I like with Mm -hmm. psychology. Um, And I really, really, really enjoyed those classes. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I graduated... I wasn't quite sure that I wanted to be a psychologist because I was afraid of internalizing other people's problems, Mm. right? I'd already knew this about myself that I had a hard time when other people are going through things, not personally feeling affected by it. And I thought to myself, can I have a whole career around this? Like, is this Mm going to be something that ultimately affects my affect? Um, And so then I spent a year after I graduated trying to figure what it is. I took a gap year between Mm -hmm. undergrad and grad school, trying to figure out what it is that I want to do with myself. Because the the path that I had set for myself didn't really seem like the right path for me to go on. Um, So I spent a year working with, an organization called the Middle East Center for Culture and Development. Um, I had started working with them the summer before. And the summer before, they were focused on um, uh, cultural diplomacy, re- Imaging the way that our people are, are thought of at the time, it was gas station owners and uh, owners of mini marts and so on and so forth. But in that little time frame between my, my, the summer that I worked there and the following year nine eleven happened mm-hmm. and so the whole conversation shifted from gas station owners and mini mart owners to terrorists and so that that whole year after. I spent time, sort of, working in cultural diplomacy efforts to sort of counter some of the xenophobia that was occurring with respect to our uh, people. And where,
0: a, where, 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 where were you located doing that? It was in New York.
1: It was okay. New York in New York. City. Okay. in not, not for profit. Uh, started by a very talented uh, Jordanian woman, um, and um, but because it was a not for profit, I was not getting paid regularly. Is mm. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> that? Exactly. So, Yes. Although I enjoyed the job, it was very dependent upon grants. It was a small company. And I was like, okay, Keita, you got to be an adult. Like you cannot live in your parents' home for eternity. <laughs> and so perhaps you should like think about what you're going to do next to make real money. Um, and so then I was like, you know what? I should get a degree in public health because it's health related. And I had wanted to be in first clinical neuropsychiatry then um, clinical neuropsychology and so maybe it's like the health part without really being a doctor, a medical doctor that I want to do mm-hmm. right so I, I um, spent the first semester in class remotely and then I moved to, to Miami, Florida and I finished up my master's degree um, in public health so while I was there I told you my, my journey is a lot of twists and turns yeah. <laughs> So while I was there, I did an internship with the World Ho- World Health Organization um, at the headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland. So wait, you were in <laughs> Geneva, Switzerland. I went to Geneva, Switzerland. I lived there for a couple of months. Okay. Part of my master's degree, I had a choice. I can either do an immersive internship experience or I could do a master's thesis. And um, I had the opportunity to either go to the CDC or the World Health Organization. I chose the World Health Organization. Um, And so I went there. I was working in the child and Adolescents health department on... Sex education um, in Southeast Asia. And it was fascinating. I had an incredible time. It was also my first time being so far away from home mm. um, for an extended period of time. And while I was there, the people who were most fascinating to me that I'm, I was like, oh, I see that person. I could totally be that were the attorneys. Mm. And I was like, I want to be a public health lawyer. That's what I want to do with myself. While I was still in grad school and the first semester of law school was my last semester of grad school. So you were
0: finishing up the MPH and you started the law degree. Correct. Correct.
1: Okay. Um, And so I got there, took all the first year classes. Law school was arduous, but I enjoyed it. Then I got to take elective courses, which is when I would have the opportunity to take health law courses. And I hated them. Mm. <laughs> hated the health of law courses. I'm like, I can't do this. This is not, this is not what I want to do. I do not want to be a healthcare lawyer. Like that is not what I desire to do. Right. So then I was like, <sighs> But What am I going to do now? Because I had this whole commitment to be a public health lawyer, and I'm already down this path. And so I started to try to figure out what other kinds of law I liked. And the two areas that I liked most were tax law and real estate law. Yeah. And so at the time that I was in law school, in order to be a tax lawyer, um, you needed to get an LLM which is another degree after your law degree and at this point I'm in my third degree not interested in going to more school and so so I was like I guess I'll be a real estate lawyer right (laughs) so I uh, by the time of my third year I had secured a job um, thanks to a friend of mine that's an interesting story uh, that maybe I'll tell another talk, uh, <laughs> in the finance and real estate department of Deckard LLP. And I started practicing law in September 2007, and the economy started to slow down. And by first quarter 2008, we were essentially in the midst of the Great Recession. So here I was, a couple months old lawyer, starting out my journey as a real estate lawyer and the very industry that I'm, I'm attempting to enter into takes a deep dive. Mm. So what was interesting about that is that my department was just not a real estate department. It was a finance and real estate department. So I ended up focusing more in those first couple of years of practice while the Great Recession was going on and real estate markets in particular were impacted, focusing more on Uh, other types of uh, asset-backed securities primarily. And um, when the economy started to revive, I realized that I enjoyed structured finance of other types more than I enjoyed the real estate law. So that's how I ended up being a finance attorney. So let me ask you this.
0: You've had a couple moments where you're like, okay, here's the plan. This is what I'm going to do. You start doing it, and you're like, uh-uh, I don't like this.
1: <laughs> yep, yeah.
0: This does not for me. Yep, yep, What do those moments feel like?
1: So they feel, so I'm a person who is type A minus, as my sister would say. And so I like having a plan, and I like knowing that I'm proceeding according to plan. So it's very jarring. It's jarring to think that you're you're headed down a particular path, and the path that you saw for yourself is really not the path that you want to go down. Um, and so it can be a little bit disorienting. But I think for me, what's been helpful is that I'm also very com- comfortable pivoting, because I... I f- do not believe in keto abuse, as I like to call it.
0: Oh, say <laughs> more. Tell, tell us about that.
1: <laughs> and that means that putting myself in a position where I feel like I'm going to be stressed or unhappy. And if I feel like I'm headed down a path where I'm going to be stressed or unhappy, then I do what I can to redirect to something that has me more centered.
0: Mm. That's good. That's really good,
1: mm.
0: and so you find yourself going down the road. You know, this season we're talking about detours, and detours mean different things for different people. Um, mm. I always say you find yourself at a crossroad, um, or there might be a bump in the road, or you're just like, wait a minute, what's that over there?
1: Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> um, and so I, I like the idea of like you know who you are, you know what plan works for you, and for most people that are planners detours are not it
1: yeah and you can spend a lot of time i was having a discussion with a young attorney the other day who had gotten this amazing opportunity to be general counsel of a a division of a company and i was saying to her that you know you just have to be cognizant of what's going on around you and whether or not it's truly going in the directions of your desires for yourself. Because it's very easy when you're a planner to head down years down a road that's not intended for you because that was the plan. Mm. And then you, you spent, you know, years going down this road that was never meant for you in the first place because you ignored the core of who you were, right? And so what I try to do is try to listen to the lessons that I think certain experiences are trying to teach me. And then also try to be comfortable with knowing that not everything is going to go according to plan. Now, I'm a, I'm a little bit much in that I have plan A, B, C, D, and E. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe that's a little bit easier because if plan A is not working out. I pivot to plan B. Right, um, but still at the same time, just being comfortable with the pivot is helpful.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You said you don't believe in keto abuse. Correct. Right. Did you always feel that way?
1: I did not. What so, caused think, that shift? I think um, getting losing innocence, right? And so you know, like when you grow up and you feel. Um, like everything is perfect with the world, nothing is, um, nothing is, everything can be accomplished if you are just of good intentions, okay? Right? If you're a good person, good things happen for you. If you're a good person, good things happen to you, Uh and unfortunately, that's not the world that we live in, right? Unfortunately, some people don't have great intentions for whatever reason. Um, you know, they could have scars in their, um, in their background, causing them to behave in a certain manner. Um, it could be contextual, something is happening contextually, and they don't realize that they're impacting others. And so, um, little hurts or even big hurts, uh, made me realize that it's important to, to know how and when to protect yourself. Mm. And so, as a result of that, I, I call it not subscribing to keto abuse or soul aggravation. I don't, also don't like things that aggravate my soul. Oh, my
0: <laughs> I love these little gems. Don't subscribe <laughs> to insert your name here abuse
1: <laughs> and no soul aggravation. No soul aggravation. I do no not like soul, soul aggravated. I just don't, right? I prefer to be at peace. I prefer to be calm. Uh, you can't control everything, but you can. Train others how to treat you, and you can train yourself how to treat yourself. Mm. Um, and so, I have held this uh, belief probably since maybe like high school, college. Um, I felt very strongly about this. It's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of things things can happen during those years. I think. Yeah. One thing that so so you've been on this path. Um, and then one thing that you do a lot is travel. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, um, we can't travel right now.
1: I'm not uh, so unfortunate. How are you? Yeah.
0: How, how are you doing?
1: Uh, so, I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. So, clearly, I have a degree in public health. So, I understand the trajectory of illnesses and viruses. <laughs> and I understand why it is problematic to not care, take care of the globe's health, right? At the same time, travel is very much uh, self-care for me.
0: Keep, no, it's more than self-care. You travel 12 times a year,
1: usually. Sure <laughs> this year I only made it to twice? Or did I travel three times this year? No, twice. I only- and so it's a lifestyle. It is definitely a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, and so right now I'm like, hmm, when am I going to be able to travel again? Um, but at the same time, I'm trying to find other things to keep myself occupied. Yeah, because when you
0: don't, when you have time on your hands, you go take military tests and things. <laughs> oh. It's
1: true. <laughs> it's, true. <laughs> it's true. So, what have you been doing with your time? And so I have been writing, right? So I'm trying to do work on this um, this book that I was talking about, about mm-hmm. my family history. Um, I recently started a new uh, e-commerce business. So I've been spending some time learning that uh, with my free time and tons of cooking because I love to cook tons of cooking.
0: This girl <laughs> sends me a text message one day. Sure. <laughs> Do you have a recipe for pizza crust? No, I do not. Why? You did come through. I came couple. through on the doubles. Came through on the doubles. I came through on the doubles because <laughs> any self-respecting Trinidadian has a okay. copy of the Naparima okay. Girls Cookbook. <laughs> Mine doesn't have any covers on it, but I have it. And I came. She goes. She said. She she, she did the pizza. She sends another text of like a week later anybody has a recipe for doubles <laughs> girl and then you're asking me to translate the terms
1: yes I was I mean I'm <laughs> only an honorary treaty I'm not a full fledged, so I don't know <laughs> what our means and there was some other word that I can't remember what it was I
0: can't remember yeah it was things
1: that I was like I don't know what that
0: is <laughs> Hey, girl. So she, you're cooking a lot. You are an honorary Trinidadian, and I appreciate that. I appreciate anybody who appreciates my culture. Um, but, yeah, you've, so you've been cooking, you've been reading, you've been writing. Um, basically, just keeping yourself busy.
1: Keeping myself occupied and yeah. trying to gain, that kind of thing.
0: So let me ask you this. If you could say something to 17-year-old Kita? Hmm. What would you tell
1: her? What would I tell myself? Um, I would tell myself, "Be easier on yourself. That you don't need to have everything figured out. That um, that you are strong enough, intelligent enough, and driven enough that no matter where life takes you, you're going to find a way to succeed." and so I think that's what I would tell I would tell 17 year old Keita
0: yeah and I, I think I think those words are probably something that, that we all can kind of say to ourselves even now yep. um, as we face a lot of uncertainty yep okay ready for the lightning round I sure am okay so the lightning round I ask you a bunch of random questions you don't think about it you just answer okay
1: it's the same questions that Roxana got <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you study for this, Kita?
1: I did not, but I did think to myself when Roxana answered. My, my answer for the superhero thing was not nearly as altruistic, and I was like,
0: (laughs) "Okay, so let's hear it. If you could have a superpower, what would it be?"
1: (laughs) Well, my original, my first instinct was invisibility. Okay, right. But then I heard Roxana's answer
0: because you cheated and listened to our first podcast.
1: I mean, I felt like I was being supported. You were being supported. (laughs)
0: You listened to the first podcast where we interviewed our very good mutual friend, Roxana. Yes. yes. She also and I
1: took notes. just being yourself. I should get rid of people's mental anguish. Okay. So so, <laughs> but my first instinct was not that.
0: Was it not was not that. So,
1: invisibility because I'm a Vida Hannah, right? And so, Vita so you're Hannah. a what now?
0: A Vida Hannah. What is...
1: It's someone who likes to observe other people. So nosy. Yeah,
0: I'm kind of. It's kind of you nosy. You just found a fancy Spanish way to say nosy. (laughs)
1: And so then I like, it goes back to the psychology thing. I like to study people and so on and so forth. So then I was like, oh, if I'm invisible, it makes it even easier just to study people. Okay, okay. That's what, that's what I like. But then I, like, I heard Roxanne's answer. I was like, that's kind of selfish, you know? Like, you should use the powers for good. <laughs> and I'm like, mental, getting rid of mental anguish, that's probably the more appropriate thing to do. I like,
0: I'll, we'll stick with invisibility. Uh... <laughs> What's your favorite color? Purple. Okay. Your favorite dessert?
1: Cheesecake. Particularly so,
0: from juniors. Particularly from Julius. Yes. Okay. Celebrity crush.
1: Las Alonso.
0: Who oh, is he Panamanian too? So he is, right? No, he's Cuban. He's
1: Cuban.
0: He's Cuban. Okay. Um, you said his name. We we don't say his you said
1: it. <laughs> his name is Lasado. Lázaro Alonso.
0: For everybody else, that's Los Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> what was he in? The dude that Regina King beat up in uh, that movie with the belt and the Vaseline. Was that him? Yeah. I don't remember that. It's the movie with Regina that. King, <laughs> Chris Brown, This Christmas.
1: This Christmas? Okay. He got beat. I remember the scene. I just don't yeah. remember that it was
0: him. That's
1: what she's talking about. Say it again. Say it again. Las Alonso. There you go. I mean, he's probably pronounced his name that way either in public.
0: He might. I mean, he speaks about being Cuban a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but the rest of us just, you know, help (laughs) us. All right. Dream vacation. Mm. This is hard because I. She's already been everywhere in the whole world.
1: I've been to most places that I want to go, and now I'm, like, trying to figure out where else I should go.
0: Um, well, we know. What's your happy place? Tell us about your happy place. I know what it is.
1: My happy place? Yeah, your happy place. I mean, my, but two happiest places. For, I have two. Um, Panama and Trinidad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are my happy places. And specifically in Trinidad, it's... It's carnival. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've been... 13 14 times it's spectacular yeah um i I think easter island okay easter island or that's uh, off of spain right uh it's off of um uh chile okay it's on like the the western side of south america Mm. and then you know i haven't been to bali so bali you haven't i have not been to bali okay yeah, so Bali, Bali's another good one, but I want to do some, you know, South Pacific islands. Okay, particularly Melanesian islands. Okay, um, as well, but nothing that's like, oh, it's my dream because mm-hmm. of, in the past two or three years, every place that I was a dream location, I wanted to go to, I've been to. Nice. And so now I have to create a new list.
0: Good. <laughs> What's your guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure.
1: Hmm. I'm gonna go with reality TV, but I'm not- No I way. I don't feel guilty about it. You watch reality TV? Why is everybody so shocked?
0: Cause <laughs> it's you. We think um, you watching the Dow Jones all day.
1: I was social media the other day, and um, I was, there was a clip of a uh, television show that I regularly watch and I was commenting about it uh, as though I'd watched the episode, which I did. And so the person who posted the clip hadn't watched the episode, but watched the clip and said, I am disappointed that you watched this show. I (laughs) don't know how to feel right now. Weren't you, weren't you um, on honor roll and, and honor society and Beta club? I'm like, yes, I was. And I graduated magna cum laude from graduate school and summa cum laude from law school. <laughs> and I am not ashamed. <laughs> I mean,
0: I, I'm calling me surprised. I, I, I wouldn't say it's guilty because
1: I, I enjoy it. Okay. No shame. No shame. Guilty pleasure. The things that I enjoy. You don't um, apologize for it. That's what I I
0: like about you. You are who you are and you don't apologize for it.
1: It is what it is. I'm not hurting anybody. Exactly. (laughs) So I don't have, um. yeah, I do like reality TV. I watch, currently I watch Real Housewives because I know some people on there from... Yeah, yeah, okay. I remember
0: this conversation. Yes.
1: Um, I watch um Love and Hip Hop Atlanta and New York. Mhm. Um and is that it? Basketball Wives Miami. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm in recovery.
0: I stopped watching reality TV stop watching. Years ago, I have yeah. not,
1: You know, although my husband would like me to stop, but mm. I have not. <laughs> I watch um, home improvement things, HGTV, um, but less frequently now because I don't have a... I get more into them when I have a current project. Okay. I don't have a current project.
0: Okay. What's your favorite thing to do that you haven't done in a while?
1: Travel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that,
1: that was easy. That pretty
0: easy. That travel. was obvious. <laughs> that was obvious.
1: But I mean, in, in fairness, I was on a trip at the beginning of March so like is that really a while
0: but I for you it is this is the longest I've seen you normally I don't know where you're at (laughs) now you
1: know I'm in Brooklyn
0: (laughs) now for sure I know you're in Brooklyn right because you know sometimes with texting and then obviously you don't post that you're in places when you're physically there (laughs) um but then I know you're not physically in that place, but I don't know if you went ahead and went somewhere else.
1: Yep. Well, and true. like I
0: have to schedule stuff with you like years in
1: advance. I'm like, I'm just like, just tell me the date so I can hold it on my calendar.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> but now I know I could pop up on you. You this know, be my... like, let's do this tomorrow.
1: Like, <laughs>
0: yeah. You're
1: not that friend. Like you <laughs> like. I had to cancel my April and my May trip. Yeah. Looking real sketchy. Ciao. And July. I may do a domestic trip in August and I'm hopeful to do an international trip in September. But then the second wave um, is likely going to come October, November. So then that's it. Yeah. I travel, um, again, probably until the vaccine.
0: <sighs> yeah. I, don't, I, I had three trips canceled. I was supposed to be somewhere else now, but we're here. I
1: know. 2021 we're gonna have a do-over 2021 are we yeah we're gonna have a do i i firmly believe 2021 is when we're gonna have a do-over okay
0: we'll see well Well, thank you for joining us today kita thank you for sharing your journey the twists and turns and for giving us these new terms no soul aggravation no
1: soul aggravation
0: and we do not subscribe Correct. to Kita abuse. Correct. You can insert your name where it says. <laughs> Thank you. Make sure you find um, Kita on all social media platforms at Travel Becomes Me. That's right. Um, and you can see more about her travel that way. Thank you.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to hit subscribe as we continue on the misadventures of an inspired woman follow me on all social media platforms at dr k thompson that's d-o-c-t-o-r-k thompson and check out my blog at www.drkeisha.nyc i'm so glad that you're a part of our community of goal getters be sure to share this with someone else and as always be intentional